Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. Cynthia Hyatt is a relationship expert, executive consultant, and life management coach. Cynthia Hyatt uses her 30 years of experience as a licensed psychotherapist to now offer in-office or concierge services through executive life coaching, consulting, and image management in order to help you be your own best version. Cynthia also specializes in speaking to groups worldwide about how to be successful in relationships, as well as artfully handling life's challenges. She has had many opportunities to present numerous educational seminars and lectures on a variety of motivational, inspirational, and mental health topics around the world. Please take a moment to visit her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. That's Cynthia, H-I-E-T-T dot com. Her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated for current events, updates, and inspiration during your week, as well as all social media platforms. You can hear this show as a podcast on iTunes and many other podcast services. Follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Now, with today's fresh insight, here's Cynthia Hyatt. Well, welcome to the show today. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host, and you are listening to Conversations with Cynthia. So thank you always for checking out the website and commenting on the shows and any of the social media that we have. And I really want to encourage you to let other people know about the show and that there it is a podcast and we are on most podcast servers. And now I found out that we are also all over the nation. So we have some new stations that we are with in Pittsburgh, and I'm excited about that. So I want to really encourage you to let other people know about this, if you can. And that I think it's helpful when we are really learning to be the best version of who we are, and that we are effects, that, you know, we are people that affect positive change. I always want to remind people that I want to be the person that is healing when you interact with me, not the person that you have to heal from. And so I want us to really be thinking about that, taking that seriously. So today we are going to talk about change, and we're going to talk about growing up. We're going to talk some about really what you need to do to be the best version of you and how that metamorphosis occurs. So I have this story that is kind of a cute little story, and it's called The Naked Crabs. And so this is really about a transformation that crabs go through, and it's fascinating to me. So The Naked Crabs, this is at the seashore, every pool and puddle left by the retreating, you know, tide seems to have a crab in it. And there's Little ones that kind of scuttle around sideways or squeezing under rocks or peeking up from a patch of seaweed. Sometimes they venture out and nibble on those of us that might not be wearing any sandals on the beach. We might feel a little pinch from a baby crab. Well, then you may see the bigger crabs, and they're in deeper, safer pools. With ponderous majesty, seriously, they wave huge claws as a warning to stay away. So on the beach, we see shells of crabs that lie washed up by the waves. And some are from crabs that have died and didn't really make it outside the shell. And others simply discarded a dwelling that is maybe too small for them 
to live in for that growing occupant. So that's how crabs grow bigger. When their shells get too tight, they split the shell open and grow a new one. So I, I love this idea of how God is so congruent in his creation. He's always making sure that the things that he create have a way to be all that they were intended to be. So when crabs get bigger and the shell becomes too tight, they split the shell open and they grow a new one to fit the new size. Now, I'm not talking about, you know, for those of us women especially, that we loathe the day that we have to go up a size. That is not so with these crabs. They are so excited to grow up and to grow out and to become bigger and more what they're supposed to be. So I've never talked to a crab, but I imagine the process of splitting open a shell must be quite painful. And I'm sure that until they grow a new shell, they feel really defenseless, really vulnerable. Because that's how we humans feel when we crack open our own shells. So our shells aren't as visible like crabs, but they are there. And just the same, the shells are formed by years of habit. Shells that protect us from other people, shells that are the roles we play as parents or children or bosses, employees. Every now and then, we crack our shells open and emerge into a new world, quivering, vulnerable, defenseless. Teenagers do this as they become adults, <clears throat> so no wonder they get crabby sometimes. Now, I know that was a bad joke, but it still makes me laugh. So adults do it as they learn to quit running their kids' lives or when they get laid off at work, when a wife or a husband dies, when they have to start over again, when they divorce, possibly. This happens to us when investments fail, maybe when a dream disappears. And so in all these traumas of life, a shell is being broken. A new, vulnerable life is starting. So you and I both know what it's like. If you're supposed to grow out of something, you're supposed to grow out of who you are, become more of who God wants you to be, and you refuse to do it and you try to stay the way that you've always been, and it just doesn't fit in your life. And in fact, it requires a lot more effort, and it's far more uncomfortable to refuse change. Now, the change process is not necessarily um, a walk in the park. It's not like a massage or something. It is quite painful, but it is so worthwhile because we don't want to stay being somebody that is less than who are, we are destined to be. So in all these traumas of life, when that shell is broken and that new life starts, then we have to understand that just like the crab, the longer the shell has been growing around us, the harder it is to break it open and start again, and the more painful the breaking becomes. So many times this is why I have people find themselves in my office, is that they have had a way of being for years and years. They've memorized it. It's a very hard shell, it offers them lots of protection, seemingly, and they start to find out that it's not fitting like it should, and it's impeding their ability to do life. And it's actually more painful 
to squeeze into that shell that doesn't fit anymore. But they're afraid to break out because when that crab breaks out of that shell, it's extremely vulnerable. So think about this. Some of our shells we've worn for generations. Maybe our Christian faith can be a shell that was handed down by our ancestors. Some faith shells are certainly worth keeping. Others may become prisons and shells so encrusted with the barnacles of the past, so burdened by trailing weeds, so constricting, maybe they become these shells that have caused us to not be able to even grow anymore and we're constrained and confined. But we're afraid to be vulnerable and to try anything new. So sometimes those shells are part of depression. They might give us a lot of anxiety. We might have even post-trauma. And anyone that has post-traumatic stress, finding a new way to live is very scary. So we have to understand that See, when these shells become prisons and they cause us to not be who we are originally intended to be, when we start to really revere and worship the shell more than the person, that's when it becomes highly constricting, very uncomfortable. And it could really do kind of an emotional personality death. I mean, your body is still living, but are you? And so I want you to really consider this. That when those shells become prisons and we can no longer move when God calls us and we're losing our faith or we're stopped, we don't trust God the way we used to, we're seeing the world as a dangerous place that we need to hide in that shell so that nobody really can know the real us. See, this is when God really wants us to understand that he always has a plan He would never leave us purposefully defenseless and purposefully willing to be harmed. What he does want us to do is keep moving toward the end goal, which is being the person that God originally designed you to be. So no one looks for painful experiences, at least not the ones that I know. I know I don't. Uh, No one really wants a painful experience. They all want to be through the painful experience or avoid it if they can, right? So we're hardwired to avoid pain, and we may prefer to stay locked into shells that no longer fit. We would rather do that than risk vulnerability of cracking them open and being vulnerable without that covering. And maybe that covering worked for a long time. Maybe it was an identity that you knew was going to work for you or that others were requiring you to be. Like, I know I've talked to you about me growing up, and, you know, I was a cheerleader in high school. And a lot of us girls, we took so much from that, that our identity was being a cheerleader. Well, this is where we have to understand that that actually is just a behavior. Maybe it's a talent. I think, wow, cheerleaders today are quite talented. But you want to think about that doesn't make it my identity because my true identity will support me till the very day that I die. Now, I don't know about you, but I have not seen 80-year-old cheerleaders. Yeah, probably not going to work. Even 60-year-old cheerleaders. I mean, this is where you have to recognize that there's a lot of things that you may do or have done while you're growing up 
while you're a young adult. Maybe you've been a mom for a long time, a dad, a boss for a long time. Maybe you were in prison for 15 years, 20 years. Now you're out and you have to figure out who you are outside that environment. So when those crab shells become too thick, too protective, too tough to crack open, then the crab can't grow anymore and it dies. That's why this is so important, that that very thing that gave you so much comfort, that helped you feel so safe, those set of behaviors, that habit that you had, that way of thinking, whatever that was, if you don't continue to grow and recognize you will grow out of it, it will eventually strangle you, kill you. So we want you to be who God's called you to be. Now join me in the next segment as we talk more about this idea of change. Welcome back. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you so much for joining me. We are in the ne- in the second segment. So if you're just tuning in, make sure you go to my podcast, which is Conversations with Cynthia. I'm on most podcast servers, so it's not hard to find. And you can also go to the website, listen to it from there. And I really appreciate all the just the interaction that you are giving us as we are putting things out there that we're hoping will really be encouraging for you, life-changing, really getting you on the track that God has intended for you to be on, the one that really only you can do. And so we need you out there. All right, so let's look at this one particular verse that I like. And this is out of the English Standard Version. And it says, But the tree of knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in that day you will eat it, you will surely die. So this is really important when we are thinking about being created people, that we are created beings, that all of God's earth is created by him. He's the master designer. So he obviously knows how every single thing on the planet works, down to the most infinitesimal piece or cell. So think about this idea of how God has hardwired change into the very creation of the universe. Excuse me. So things are always changing. And change is really important for us to learn how to do gracefully. Now, I say gracefully because there's a lot less wreckage and damage if you're willing to change gracefully and if you're willing to do it versus resisting change. Because when we resist change, we have a lot more damage that we have to get over because many of the changes that we resist are inevitable, like aging. So we can age gracefully, or we can just fight aging and be miserable. So these things are important that we understand this very famous saying, change is inevitable, right? There is no time where change is not occurring. And how about this? I like this famous saying. It says, nothing is permanent except change. The only constant is change. Nothing endures but change. So this is really fascinating. And so Heraclitus, he's a famous Greek philosopher from 535 B.C. to 475 B.C. So quite, quite many years ago. 
And he was known for his doctrine of change being central to the universe and for establishing the term logos. So this, in Western philosophy, has meaning both the source and the fundamental order of the cosmos. So this whole idea of logos, now if we look at it from a Christian perspective, we know that logos is Hebrew for word. And we know that God spoke the world into existence. And so the word also became flesh. So this is where we understand that change is in the creation. It's in every single thing in the universe. Change is a part of it. So think of it, think of it like this. The only thing you can depend on is change. The only thing you can depend on is change. So we're going to address this idea about changing and how we make sure that we're changing the things that should change and not resisting a healthy change and that we are really going through that change as gracefully as possible so that we have less wreckage and damage on the other side. So I like this uh, saying, and this is from Harold Wilson, and this is a speech from the Consultative Assembly of the Council of Europe in Strasbourg, France. And this is January 23, 1967. This is what he says. This is back in 1967. He says, he who rejects change is the architect of decay. Wow. That's huge. He who rejects change is the architect of decay. That's telling you and I, if I resist change... I am actually designing my ability and the, the process of decaying if I will not change. See, the only human institution which <laughs> rejects progress is the cemetery. Think about that. Once you're dead, no more choice to change. So this is imperative that we really work on change. Now, I'm going to tell you a saying that I use with clients, and I don't want anyone to be offended because the concept is really powerful. The idea is not so, so kind. And that is this saying that the drunk driver always survives the crash. So if you know anyone that has had someone die because of a drunk driver, and the drunk driver is the one that survived it, person they hit did not. What doctors know, what physical therapists know, what, what all the healthcare professionals know is that the reason for this is the drunk driver is not bracing himself for the crash. He's going with inertia. The person being hit braces themselves, which causes more injury. So this is important as we understand that God is wanting you to be flexible. You know that saying, the flexible don't break, right? And so you want to be flexible as you're going through all these different life changes, as you are becoming a different age, right? As we are all growing older and that we can't stop that change, that we are constantly in a state of change. The one thing that we can resist changing is the way we think. We can resist that. So I want you to think about this. The unhappiest generation is the group of people that are most afraid and resistant to change. They're afraid to evolve from fashions, lifestyle, music, expressions of the earlier years. See, this doesn't mean that we have to abandon 
what was meaningful or comforting or familiar or poignant or maybe even sacred. But we do need to adapt. So think about this. I know for myself, I, I told you before I was a product of the 80s. I loved the 80s. I still love the 80s. It was great. It was fun. I mean, the fashion was outrageous. I mean, we wore huge earrings and, you know, heels and makeup, and the hair was sprayed so that it stood straight up. I mean, it was really dramatic. And the music was phenomenal. We still hear a lot of that music being used. Well, imagine me if I were, you know, your therapist, and I showed up to take you back to my office, and I was looking like somebody straight out of the 80s. <laughs> I mean, you might think, wow, is this 80s day, or maybe this is 80s week at, at her work? It, it would be tough to, like, kind of work around that when you're trying to be serious about a problem that you are contending with, and I look like I'm straight out of the 80s, right? Now, if I'm going to a costume party, that's a different story. But I had to adapt, I had to move forward. I had to go from the 80s to the 90s, right? 90s is, wow, feel bad for the 90s. And then we got to 2000. And now everything is just, I don't know, it all just goes. So this is where I want you to recognize that the unhappiest generation is the group that's most afraid and resistant to change. They won't evolve with fashions, lifestyle, music, expressions, technology, right? And they get stuck like that crab who has that shell that's too small and tight and is constricting their ability to be who God has called them to be. They can't live in it. So this is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk more about this idea of change. Welcome back to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you for joining me today. If you're just tuning in, make sure you go to the website at CynthiaHyatt.com. You can listen to any of the shows right straight from the website, or you can also go to any of your favorite podcast servers. We're on most of them. Thank you for sending them to your friends and recommending them. I really appreciate that. So we are talking about this idea, this quote, this concept from Harold Wilson in his speech to the Consultative Assembly of the Council of Europe in Strasbourg, France. And this was January 1967. And he says, he who rejects change is the architect of decay. And the only human institution which rejects progress is the cemetery. So this is why it's imperative for us to recognize that if we refuse to change, it's worse than maybe the change we are being asked to participate in. Because if we are moving, we can adjust. See a parked car, right? You can't, no matter how much gas you put, a parked car won't move. And so you have to think about, am I a parked car that just refuses to move? So if I release the brake, I can take advantage of the gas, and I can start moving in that car, and I can steer it in any direction I want to go. Because, again, we know a parked car, you can't steer a parked car. So the unhappiest generation 
is usually the ones that are most afraid and resistant to change. And I talked to you about fashions and, and what I was this 80s girl, right? And so I want you to think about the idea that what, what it would look like if I were to show up and you had a session with me, or maybe I was uh, speaking at your organization, and I was dressed <coughs> excuse me, in, in the fashions of the 1980s, which is really truly one of my favorite generations. But if I showed up in the 80s, you would think, was, is this like you know, a dress-up day? Is this, I don't know, is this a retro day? I mean, what is she doing? Does she look like this every day? So I've had to adapt. I've had to accept the loss that, unfortunately, the 80s stayed in the 80s. <laughs> so here I am in 2020, and, and I need to adapt. And so when we do this, it's important to understand that it doesn't matter your age. You can always adapt. This is how God has created mammals. They are adaptable. So I want you to think about my mother. She's now almost 90. And my father has passed, so she lives alone. And, and she still lives in the house that I grew up in, which is quite fun. But one of the things that I was so impressed about my mother is that she wanted to make sure she could always communicate with her grandchildren. So she has an iPhone and a computer. And she makes sure she knows how to use it. She texts people all the time. She emails. She does, you know, FaceTime, all these different things that for someone that was, wow, born in the 1920s probably, this is a big deal. I've been so impressed by my mother's commitment to be current. She's still who she is, obviously, But she doesn't want to miss out and have life pass her by. So she is willing to accept the way she has to relate in the 21st century. So if we're 50 or older, we may feel invisible, maybe marginalized. But this is really important for us to recognize that that we venture out into the world because whether you realize it or not, the world still needs us. God still needs you. If the only thing we offer is an example of how to live our age well, we've given the world a great gift. And unfortunately, we we rarely get to see or hear of our impact. But believe me, younger people are watching. So we don't just want to be an example of how not to be. We want to show them how to age gracefully, how to embrace the fact that God still sees fit to keep us here. We still have a calling, a reason. And sometimes I just want it to be done. I do. It's tough done here. And it doesn't seem to necessarily be getting any easier. But what has changed in your life? Are you unwilling to grow out of that shell that has become so comfortable? Are you afraid to be exposed and vulnerable? Are you afraid to try new things? Are you resisting what's going on in the 21st century and saying, I don't want to be a part of it? when what we're needing from you is to help be a change agent, that we want to make sure that we are recognizing that Christianity is effective at every age and that kindness and graciousness, honesty, authenticity are really very beautiful things when when we wear them well. So I want you to think about, before we go into this next segment, what has changed in your life? And what are you resisting when it comes to change? And is that maybe a positive? 
This is Cynthia Hyatt with Conversations with Cynthia. Join me in the next segment as we talk about the dilemma of change. Welcome to Conversations with Cynthia. I'm Cynthia Hyatt, your host. Thank you for joining me today. And if you are just tuning in, we're in our last segment. You can always go to my website at CynthiaHyatt.com. And that is spelled C-I-N-T-H-I-A-H-I-E-T-T. Actually, it's phonetically perfect. Cynthia Hyatt. So it's easier to remember. Make sure you visit the website. You can listen to the show from the website. You can also go to your favorite podcast server, and we are on so many of those, hoping that it makes it easier for you to connect with this. And so we're talking about this idea of change and growing and what it means. And I used in the first segment this idea of naked crabs and the way that crabs grow and change in their life. And so... I mean, I've never really talked to a crab, but I imagine that the splitting open of the, his shell must be maybe at least somewhat painful, but it, but very, very um, scary. I mean, he's, it makes him very vulnerable. And so that's how we can feel sometimes, defenseless and vulnerable. If we are cracking open that shell, letting people in, and maybe having a willingness to grow even more. And so... You know, our shells are invisible, but they're just the same as the crabs. They're formed by habits. They protect us from other people. They help us play a role, maybe as parents or children. And when those shells crack open and that, that, that crab emerges into a new world, it's, you know, defenseless. And so, you know, we do see that teenagers do this as they become adults. And, and I said in the very first segment, you know, that's maybe that's why they're crabby. And thankfully, Jeremy, my producer, thought that was pretty funny because I can be kind of corny sometimes. So, all right. So adults, right, we learn to quit running kids' lives. And maybe, you know, we get laid off work. Maybe our, you know, our health changes. Maybe an investment fails. And so we have all these traumas of life, and that shell might be broken. And so this new vulnerable life is started. It might be, though, that the shell that's been growing around us is too small. And so we're afraid to break out of it, but we don't fit in it anymore. And that's scary. When I have clients that are reevaluating a value system that they were raised with, that they have believed in for the majority of their adult life. And they're having to revisit it and recognize that, you know, maybe it doesn't fit. That doesn't mean I'm sinning. That means that I'm in a, in a new, you know, certainly time in the world. And how do I live in this time in the world and do it ethically and morally? And so some of the shells we've had have been worn for generations, Now, this is where it's important that you understand that when these shells become a prison and they're encrusted with, you know, barnacles of the past and and we're so burdened with trailing weeds and it's so constricting that we can't even be who God has called us to be. So don't we don't look for painful experiences. 
But that crab, when that shell becomes too thick, too protective, too tough to crack open and start again, then that crab can't grow anymore and it, and it will eventually die. So we have to be willing to break free from some things that may be constricting us now when in the past they really supported us. So think about this idea of change and how we do that. Change is inevitable. We know that. And it produces stress and great losses sometimes. And there are two dynamics that humans hate the most. That's stress and change. Now, we all think that we like change, but many times when it's thrust upon us or we are not asked permission, it makes it very difficult. So change is inevitable, and we will then incur greater stress and more loss if we fight that change. So we also know that stress and loss, because of how scary the feelings are, tend to activate those defense mechanisms. And those are usually things like avoidance, right? So maybe we avoid the fact that we need to change. You've probably seen many people that will not change the way they dress. Uh, they, like I told you in the last segment, my mother, you know, was willing to get a smartphone. She still has a landline. I don't think she's ever going to get rid of that. But she uses the smartphone. And so what happens is that when we resist the loss, when we resist the stress, when we resist changing, we begin to use all kinds of maladaptive defense mechanisms. So we avoid things that reveal to us that we have not changed or refused. We resist changing. We might get even aggressive. Or we might go to the other extreme and, you know, do it blatantly, the op- do the opposite blatantly. So we might get really controlling. We might get aggressive. We might even become manipulative. And so defense mechanisms are, are given to us by the Lord. They are, they are intended to protect us. However, oftentimes they're counterproductive or they're outdated. And so this simply means that a defense mechanism may have been effective at one time, but it may, not, it may no longer be appropriate. And it may create more problems than less problems. And so there's several variations that, we, that change comes in. And we have, the first one is, this is the change that we generate, such as changing a job or maybe taking on New Year's resolutions. Maybe we decide to get a different hairstyle. Maybe we decide to start exercising or modifying our diet. Well, when we generate the change ourselves, it's not quite as difficult because we are the one that are more in control. So then we have a different type of change. Now, these are not within our control, but they are predictable. Maybe not unavoidable, though. Things like puberty. It's predictable. It's not avoidable. The seasons. We all know that summer in Phoenix is coming. It's kind of right here now. It's not quite 115 yet, but we know summer is coming. And so there's nothing that we can do to stop the seasons from changing. And there is one more change that is the most difficult. That's the one that is thrust upon us. The one that we have no decisions and sometimes no warnings about. Such as the death of a loved one. 9-11. Storms that blow in. How about a rejection that we didn't expect? Or an illness 
we go to the doctor and we're thinking that we are perfectly healthy and we find out that we may have a very serious problem. So all these changes bring certain amounts of stress and subsequent losses. So some types of stress are positive, like exercising. Still doesn't always feel good. Some losses are necessary and positive, like quitting smoking or modifying your diet, going to bed at a decent time. And so they're not easy, but they're at least positive and give us this idea that we're going to have something that is paying us back for the effort we're putting into it. So either way, all these types of changes bring a certain amount of stress, and there's a subsequent loss. So one of the things I remind people all the time is that every loss has a gain, and every gain has a loss. The only time we get a gain for change with more gain is when we go to heaven. And so this is important that you understand that if I'm gaining something, I will most likely be losing something as well. And if I am losing something, I will most likely be gaining something. So sometimes we have control over the loss or the gain, but it's imperative that we are strong enough and that we rely on our faith to make sure that as these changes come, we are appropriately participating in them. And that's tough to do at every age. Little children, when they are learning to walk, sometimes regress and refuse and want to be carried all the time. But eventually they need to learn to walk. And they're so glad they did. Aren't you glad you learned to walk? You wouldn't want to be carried by your mom to work every day. So think about how important this concept of change and loss and gain is. And what we are doing with that. Because this is an important part of the human condition. And if I resist it inappropriately, I will be the one to have to deal with consequences that probably are not very comfortable and not even necessarily positive. So when we think about the only thing that we can depend on is change, it helps us to be a little bit more accepting. So I want you to think about this because change is inevitable. And we oftentimes work harder at resisting and fighting the inevitable rather than learning to strain and strive in growing rather than fighting and resisting. And so the strongest trees don't resist growing. But they dig their roots really deep to handle the strain of the storm. And all the strength goes into straining for deeper roots so that the resistance to hold the course is in their roots, not trying to fight the winds of the storm. So we can learn a lot from God's creation. See, when we get this backwards, we see that the pain of the stress and loss oftentimes activates our defense mechanisms. And these usually manifest as avoidance, resistance, control, aggression, dissociation, and or manipulation. So these defense mechanisms were originally created by God to protect us, and we have kind of contaminated those defense mechanisms. So although the defenses help us survive, they might not help us to thrive. Conversely, 
they become more counterdependent, counterproductive, and outdated. So what this simply means is that defense mechanisms, which are necessary for survival, many times have become ineffective and inappropriate. It's kind of like surviving uh, junior high school and thinking that you'll never get out of junior high and trusting that I don't have to clamp down and stay 14 forever in order to feel safe. I can actually go through puberty and develop and become an adult and not fear adulthood. So defense, you know, defenses end up creating more stress while they're trying to mitigate the loss. So a defense mechanism creates the problems we're defending against. So I want you to think about this tree, okay, the great oak, that as it manages the storms, more cells are, are created in the wood of this tree. And so the most expensive wood are found in redwood trees, which have endured tremendous storms because the wood is so beautiful. There's so much detail and intricacy in that wood because of the amount of strain they have endured. So I want you to think about this as we end today. And that's every loss has a gain, every gain has a loss. And if you look at the things that we have just been talking about, I want you to say to yourself, what losses have I incurred or what losses am I refusing to incur? And that may be that I know I need to lose weight, but I don't want to lose out on the food that I like to eat. So am I going to give in to pleasure and recognize that I will have a momentary gain, but I will lose the battle? So it's important that we recognize what God is offering us and that any change that God is asking you or prompting you to make will only be for your benefit. It will only be for more survival. It will only be for your true happiness and your ability to be everything that he has called you to be. So don't be afraid to be naked. (laughs) Have a great week, and I'll talk to you next week. We hope this past hour has been encouraging, motivating, and inspiring to you. The messages and teachings shared during the show are given as a way to reach you, the listener, with ideas and insights on how you may not only improve your life, but have more successful and meaningful relationships as you become the best version of you. Cynthia is available as a keynote speaker or guest speaker for your corporate or spiritual events. Cynthia is able to customize a message for any audience attending a meeting, retreat, or conference. In addition to this, she oftentimes partners her messages with music as she is a singer and musician. Please contact her through her website at CynthiaHyatt.com. If you missed any part of this program, you can download the most current show from her website at CynthiaHyatt.com or hear a replay on your favorite podcast server. Please take a moment to visit her Facebook page at Cynthia Hyatt Incorporated and leave your ideas and comments about today's show. Now, be your own best version. Be your-